Hello everyone and welcome to episode 8 of The Deerhorn, a Seattle Lombard podcast for the curious and the committed. I'm your host Jay Ryan and life's been pretty good. There's a lot on the go right now. Me and my wife just got back from Vancouver last night. We put a deposit on a place there and signed a lease and we'll be moving in April 11th. Uh, as soon as I'm done this intro, I'll be tearing down my studio and getting ready for the move. So I wanted to make sure I got this done first. I'm hoping it comes out in late March, but if it does come in early April, this is the March episode. Um, and I have another episode in the backlog that I hope to edit and get out to everyone in April. But it's possible that won't happen, and if it doesn't, I'm sorry. Uh, there's been a lot of great music released lately uh, from artists that do use at Lombard Gear, and I wanted to talk a little bit about those because they're all people I'd love to have on the show eventually, and that list just keeps growing, and I don't see an end in sight for this podcast, and that is great news. The first one I wanted to talk about was... Uh, one that I put out actually, an album called Forward, and uh, some of you may or may not know I record as Samuel Edmund, which is my middle name, and I put that on Bandcamp, it's just a bunch of soundscapes I threw together, and it's free over there. Um, As it stands, there may or may not be a cassette version of that coming, so if you do want to check that album out, I recommend downloading it for free and hopefully uh, paying for it once the cassette comes along. But enough about me. Uh, we've got a new album from The Lifted Index called Thea or Thea. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but I actually became familiar with The Lifted Index when they hit me up uh, to listen to their last album. And uh, I really appreciate that, Daniel. This new one is fantastic. He just has a a great a great sense of production and space with his music uh there's a lot of low end this album feels pretty black and white to me in a great way and and i talked to him about it and told him that i i definitely envy how great he is at making use of space and i think this one was a pretty heavy focus on exploring the plum butter so there's no shortage of that here so congrats on the release daniel and hopefully everyone listening heads over and checks that out the next one i wanted to talk about was by mark mean or mark mian and it's called Basteln, i believe and I, i apologize for my pronunciations on these but i'll put links in the show notes so you can just click them in case you don't know how to spell what i'm saying uh his album came out on limited edition a limited edition cassette via neologist productions but those are long gone uh, i think luckily though you can still get a cd copy via his Bandcamp, so i'll post the link to that and uh, he's a fantastic piano player and this album explores a lot of piano work uh, surrounded by worlds of Seat lombard texture and other things and uh, I think it was done so that it plays, you know, the A side plays continuous and the B side plays continuous, and that is definitely the way that I've listened to it and the way that I think you want to listen to it. So I'd love if everyone went over and checked that out because it's fantastic. And the last one I wanted to talk about was uh, Visitor's Bureau by Patch Bay Door. I got familiar with Patch Bay Door after... I was tagged in an Instagram post he made talking about this very podcast and have gotten to know him quite a bit since. And one of the cool things that I've seen happen with with Patch Bay Doors, Stephen does a lot of work with vocals and and processing the vocals in the Seat Lombard instruments and everything. And after seeing some of his videos i could see the inspiration he provided to other members of the community because i've seen a lot of other videos exploring those very things too and uh that's really cool to see and he made cassettes for visitors bureau so you can grab those as well i'll link it in the show notes and uh 
yeah, hope you check that one out too. And last but not least, uh, our guest has a new album out, and our guest today is John Mitchell, um, who records as Mid-Century Modular and a few other things. And he just put out an album that was a pretty deep exploration of plum butter and mutable instruments beats. And I say lots of great things about this album in our conversation, and he shares a lot of thoughts about his process and all that. So rather than ruin that, I'll just stop now and you can listen to the episode and let uh, John take it away. Take care. Yeah, so um, I am in central North Carolina, which is like uh, in the southeast, north part of the south on the like uh, the east coast, I guess. I'm like uh, maybe an hour and a half from the ocean. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty sweet then. Yeah, it's cool. It's like um, North Carolina is like uh, kind of you know conservative and not great <laughs> but um the part of uh the state um i uh well I, I i guess not to say it's not great you know it's just like that part is not great um but um <laughs> uh yeah the part the part where i'm in am is like um like uh, one of the two kind of bigger city areas of the state um and so um, I live like right outside the capital, which is um, uh, the metro is probably like a million people or something. So yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, not a, like a tiny town or anything, but not huge. Did you grow up around there? Yeah, I grew up like farther farther east, like uh, about an hour away, um, in like a smaller town, and then um, I moved here. Um, for college and stuff, um, and, and you know, got a job around here and have been here since. Yeah, so it's um, it's pretty cool. cool. I like it. Um, uh, we we just bought a house here, so I'll probably be here for a while. <laughs> oh yeah. wow! Congrats! Oh, That's huge. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, uh, it was like a, I guess a year and a half or something ago. Yeah, so uh, we were talking about moving to Seattle before that and decided you know to to instead just you know kind of put down roots here i guess i'm pretty happy with the decision i have like i'm in a house now so i can be loud and play the guitar amp loud and stuff so that's good (laughs) and you have space for things yes exactly um we got a fence for the dog which is nice and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So you can just let him yeah. or him or her yeah. go in the garden. Yeah, yeah. It's um yeah, him. His name's Toby. Um but but yeah. I was just going to say uh we were on the topic of discussing uh whether or not we master our own stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um I uh yeah, I guess so um I was I was kind of mentioning um I uh, Jason, who does the mud locker and honky and chess team stuff, and then um, uh, how that, that's kind of a similar thing. How I think about it, um, and then I think I don't remember how much much you got, but um, I was starting to talk about um, you know once once things become safer, I'm uh, really interested in uh, going over to um, you know some of my friends' places that record and and talking with them and kind of working on something together. Um, something I did a little bit on that Golden Corral record. And on the B side, I went over to my friend Zach's house and um, like uh, we, we, we took some songs I had and like kind of uh, tweaked them and then turned them into like a full kind of seamless thing to a tape machine he had. Um, and yeah, so um, yeah, I definitely want to do more stuff like that. I think it's it's really fun to kind of work with someone else in the room and 
you know, collaborate in that way, I guess. Um, yeah, and I mean, everyone knows the whole getting together in a room thing is not happening all that much or yeah. probably shouldn't be happening at all right now. Yeah, it's, um, I think the numbers are going down here, which is nice. Um, but it's, um, you know, it, it's like we've, you know, not, not been out anywhere in like almost a year now. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's tough, right? Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's rough, but you know, um, um, it, it could be worse cause, um, you know, I've, I've been able to, you know, keep my job, whatever, um, and, uh, and, um, just work from home and stuff, so that's, that's been good, but, um, yeah, uh, it'll be nice when, um, you know, it's safe to go in other people's houses and, you know, hang out and all that stuff. <laughs> well, and I think the other thing is, like, we were talking about earlier just before we called here, like, even just something like how you know you submit that track for the the jogging house mm -hmm. compilation or whatever and just you know or even sending like music over to friends for them to listen to and just get feedback and stuff like i i don't i think a lot of people when they're nervous and starting out like don't realize how valuable that is mm -hmm. you know like because like you sent those tracks over and you told me you're like oh it was nice to get your feedback in the early stages and stuff and i think like sometimes that's all it is is just to get that like little confidence boost where you're like okay my friends dig it i should trust my gut kind of thing or, yeah or even just for criticism or critique you know yeah i think um uh, i i i'm a i the more i um uh i guess make music the more i try to involve like i think other people and try to do it earlier like um uh some of these tracks I know of at least one where like I had posted kind of an early version of it on the um the synth mall see at Lombard um uh um forum uh, uh li lines forum thread and um and uh cuz uh, people were talking about Norn's apps that um like they like to use with with see it stuff and so I um uh, I, I like tried some of the things that they had mentioned and, and sort of put it in there and um, it seemed like people liked that one so I was like okay I think I'm I've got something here like I don't really think it's finished and I did a bunch of stuff with the tape machine afterwards but um, you know like and then I, I just recently posted something and it kind of got ignored and so you kind of know okay well that's not really the probably the the I can just like put that one up, you know? Um, right. Yeah. Which I, I think is totally fine. Like I, I feel like, um, that's something interesting I was thinking about with the see at Lombard stuff is like, I feel myself making like things that I don't necessarily like, 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 but it's like different. And then I, <laughs> then I would typically do. And I think that that exploration is is kind of cool because it's like you know i i've got a few i guess instruments and stuff where i could like crank something out that i like think sounds pretty cool you know like i've figured it out over time um but um i i feel like some of this like exploring the the edges of like like what i like there's some like cool cool things to be had there that i might not immediately come to i guess yeah, I, I, th I think like it's really funny how you put that too because I know I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before but I, when I first got the plum butter I made some sort of post saying how like I don't like any of the music that I make with it <laughs> but it's the, mo it's the most fun thing to use mm -hmm. and I think the more you learn the instruments the more you manage to blend like the things you're looking for and the things you're used to with the things that you're only going to get from the esotericness of the instruments. You yeah, know? for sure. I like, um, I had just recently asked, um, you know, on there about the plum butter, like, uh, uh, on that, um, synth mall thread, um, of, uh, if any people had ideas about how to kind of create pitch sequences, like, 
longer than just you know the two notes on the deer horn or um you know like like gongs just kind of like playing the same you know pitch um and so um you know i took some of those ideas and like um some of those experiments like especially with tuning the deer horn with those like man with the red stream orange pulses like it'll sound awful and then you'll just kind of click into something that's like in key but not necessarily what you would like you know play on a keyboard like if you could easily get to it and then you're like this is really weird but like kind of works in a weird way and i'm intrigued and then kind of building around that 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 stuff i think is really fun um and then some people just make really cool like kind of experimental noise soundscape stuff with it too like you don't have to you know tame it or whatever but um i don't know i, I think that's kind of I, I i guess i'm approaching it sort of as like i'm i'm learning and how to use it as like a i guess uh and fit in with more traditional sounds i guess you could say um yeah no that totally makes sense yeah. and and like I think finding the balance is like the huge key with it too, right? Because like you can go down the whole route of like just making pure Seattle Lombard music, mm -hmm. but finding that balance, like you said, where you can get experimental but still be able to have it musically related enough to other gear or whatever to put tracks together. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, this, it, uh, um, it's, it's really interesting kind of the, the way you, uh, at, at least the way I've been approaching it is like, um, it, uh, I don't always like know, know what I'm going for when I'm messing around with it. Kind of like when I started out with, um, like since like years ago, um, like I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but I would make sounds that were kind of weird and cool. And I feel myself like constantly getting back to that, that frame of mind of like, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I sort of do. And I'm finding stuff that I probably wouldn't otherwise, uh, come across with like the other things that I, I guess have and, and use regularly. I think like that edge is probably what helps keep you inspired too right like if you were just like i have this all figured out now then it might not be fun anymore or it just becomes a tool versus a creative device you know yeah for sure yeah we were talking the other day on um instagram uh i think about like uh <clears throat> how like instruments like like they can they can kind of give you this spark of kind of wanting to sit down and explore them or or like you get an idea that you have you know to try and then that's kind of how you you create things and I you know I, I think that's like um similar for me um it is 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 like I a lot of times I don't have like a melody in my head or like I'm trying to build a song. It's more like I haven't explored, you know, noise into this filter before. Let me start there and then kind of see what what that sounds like and um, and then kind of see if I can think of anything else to add to it and just sort of, you know, get to the the music by experimenting, I guess. I relate to that <clears throat> so much. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I think it's weird too, because I'm not positive for you, but like I came from a traditional like songwriting background or whatever. And when I got into this side of it, like I always felt like I was just noodling, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then I talked to some friends who were like more accomplished artists in the experimental world or whatever. And they'd be like, well, you you got to tell a story and you, you just, you got to be able to, you know, like make a voice come through. And then I heard an interview with Cortini mm -hmm. 
And he basically said, like, yeah, I don't have anything in my head, and the gear brings it out. And from that point on, I was like, oh, so that's fine. <laughs> like, if it works for him, then I'm not saying that I'll, I'll get on a Cortini level, but it shows that, like, the instruments can be the spark, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it, uh, it, like whatever whatever kind of system uh, you know you're you're exploring and i don't think it has to be like a hardware synthesizer it could be something on the computer it could be an app on your phone i feel like um if you if you can approach like the music making session with the the attitude of like i'm gonna explore this thing i don't really care if like I create the next masterpiece or, you know, get exactly how I'm feeling in my head out into this, you know, two minute, whatever, (laughs) like, like, but I'm just gonna like have fun and explore. I think that that is, is, is a great way to, you know, just kind of, kind of start. And then you take those different like, um, like recordings and, build an archive out of it like you know like save the file somewhere and then you'll eventually have you know a, a collection of things that uh make sense to you it might not make sense to anyone else but might make sense to you as something like a release or a record or just like some things that you want to share i don't know yeah that's kind of yeah, how no how i, I get it, it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally yeah. makes sense yeah. um before we go too far down the process hole, I just wanted to talk about lines a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely became aware of you over there. Like, I remember your handle and your avatar, like, before we even interacted. I, <laughs> I would see it over there regularly. So I'm, I'm just curious, like, are you pretty deeply rooted in lines? Yeah, so I, um, I do spend a lot of time there. I, uh, um... I think it was probably like three or four years ago I was um, doing a lot of uh, like I, I had built up um, uh, maybe like a my 6U case of, of modules and I was using a BeatStep Pro which I really did not enjoy using for sequencing um, and I started exploring like other you know sequencing options um, that were that were around and I came across the teletype and um at first I was kind of like uh you know I I don't want to code like when I'm making my music I I feel like that would that would like kind of suck the life out of it but the more I like kind of looked into it and the way that you 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 code with that is kind of like you you have just a few lines of of code that you can use and then you have these triggers that kind of like uh, allow you to to play those up to six lines, depending on you know what the what what trigger input you're going in. And um, so it's it. I was like, oh, this isn't like writing a program, like uh, like I would do for work. Um, and so I um, you know I eventually um, got one. And then a, as I started exploring that, uh, you know, I just kind of got involved with lines because that's where you go to learn about monom stuff, pretty much. Um, that and the monom <laughs> sure. And um, yeah, I, uh, I I really like the the community there. I feel like it's pretty positive and like encouraging, you know, for like. You know, like it was encouraging to me i guess because like i would you know be able to share some thoughts or some music there and people seem to enjoy it and i enjoy the stuff that other people you know share and stuff so like um yeah so i kind of started that and then i um got a, a little bit involved with some of the monom open source projects um like i i did a couple little tweaks to the norns web app editor thing um and then um i like redesigned the the docs like website for the teletype um um, with some other people in the open source community there and um so i i kind of uh i really like that side of it too um and um you know yeah it's just over time i've 
I've become more and more involved. And just like this past years, um, uh, I was looking for some quarantine projects and I, I, I had done a few DIY uh, Euro rack modules, you know, soldering from kits. And so um, I had heard about these like paper circuits before, but I didn't really know anything about them. And I um, started talking to uh, Mudlogger Jason um, over DM on there and uh, kind of uh, I got a couple PCBs from him and and just sort of uh, started diving into that. Um, I guess uh, at that time I could not read a schematic. I didn't really know anything about electronics besides like some basic soldering skills and like what a resistor is. Um, but uh, I think Look, you're two <laughs> steps ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like I I have. Uh, I don't know, just like I, I didn't have a, you know, like any classes in college on that kind of thing or anything. Like I, like I didn't uh, really know too much about it at all. Um, but I, I really like those paper circuit projects because they're not, they're not as straightforward as like a DIY kit. Like you have to kind of learn what the components are and to decipher these, like it's basically like a, kind of a, a scavenger hunt symbolic diagram that of Peter speak uh, of what the actual components are. Like it doesn't map to what the schematics that everyone else uses, you know, they look like. And so um, from that to some of the mods that people were discussing, I, I just kind of got interested in the, the more technical, you know, uh, like details of the circuits and um i got um i got onto this uh um richard brewster um he goes by pugix p-u-g-i-x um he's got this website that like just kind of takes peter's circuits and like in some cases literally shows the schematic for each part and then talks about what it does and he did that for the rolls five and it like after reading that that page like i don't know probably five times it finally clicked to me on some of the details of what 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 actually goes on under the hood and and at that point i was kind of hooked on learning more about this stuff yeah i don't know uh that's kind of i just rambled on about random stuff <laughs> no it's good that's <laughs> that's what it's all about man the less i have to say the better <laughs> richard's come up quite a few times on the podcast i try to remember and link it in all the shows because even if even if you're not into the diy side i think just going to that site and getting a feel for some of that stuff is pretty interesting yeah for sure because um like um i don't have one but the sidrax we've we've talked about that before but yeah it's a really cool instrument and there's like it's you know, it, it's kind of a keyboard that you can play notes on, but then it's a lot more than that, like with the, how all the notes are connected and stuff. Um, and he kind of breaks down some of the like uh, details on that uh, for the Sid Rossi or Sid Rossi, one of the earlier ones. Um, and it's like really fascinating to kind of see how sometimes Peter misuses some of these components to create these like new like instruments or new new circuits that like do a thing in a way that anyone who knows anything about circuits would not do it that way it's just really cool <laughs> to me <laughs> um and uh and it's just i don't know you just kind of like go down these rabbit holes of um uh like trying to figure out the <laughs> the madman's like work is cool <laughs> Oh. Well, that's what I found funny when I uh, talked to Patchpoint, him and Darren. Like, mm -hmm. Darren was saying how the Dindat and Dudero is like, those synths are like his ultimate synths because they're intentionally bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think th those are the ones where he really pushed the the boundaries of what that could be, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, um, uh, I, uh, <laughs> It's those. Those are really interesting. It's like um, I saw some of his videos, like showing the oval sense, and like um, 
you can't figure out what in the world's going on from them. Um, and it's, uh, I, my, um, there's a guy who posts on lines, um, his, his handle is just Matt. Um, and I, he posted some stuff on Vimeo that, that showed off the Stuber, I think that's... Stuber, yeah. That's the one that's like yeah, a filter, Yeah, he sold right? me, I got a Stuber because of his videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, yeah, they they do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and, I, yeah, that's something interesting about Peter's Instruments, I think, is like, um, it, it, like, I think on the face might look like uh, something to make some noise that no one wants to listen to. But it really, like, you can do, like... Like, the plum butter is, is basically, like, a full modular synth, like, that you can oh, do so pretty good. much any anything with. But it, like, I don't know, it's, it's its own version of it. I don't know. Well, I know, like, one of the things, I don't know, I, I think it was actually you I was talking to this about where, you know, we were talking about the Coco Qantas and the cost of it. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, a lot of people get it in their head that it's like, oh, it's two lo-fi delays. And it's like, well, let's, let's consider the four stereo VCAs, you know, mm -hmm. the five LFOs, uh, the extra preamp section, the mic input, the envelope followers. Like, I think, you know, when people are in Eurorack and getting modules for, like, specific duties sometimes, when you look at something like the Coco Qantas, you don't always picture it as like a complete instrument. Mm -hmm. But when you do like the, the sum of its parts, I think justifies the cost. It's just hard to, to see all of that until you spend some time with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh, the, the instruments that he, um, he, he builds currently, especially like the, um, the, the ones that I guess are being made at Patchpoint now, um, or however they're doing it, is um, yeah, they they are like so deep, and um, like the plum butter, for example. It just I, I feel like I I'm never gonna be able to do all of the things that it can do. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, I guess another cool thing is that a lot of these DIY circuits are like kind of the historical examples of what Peter was exploring um and so it's like it's almost like um the like the the like rougher version or the version without the CV controller whatever like so the rolls 5 is kind of that it's like the the concept is taking the rolls and creating audio translators for them um, and, uh, and it's like, um, it doesn't have all of the, the like, uh, you know, bells and whistles of plum butter, but it's also still really interesting instrument. Um, and it, because of how it like, um, I don't know, like, like you can make really interesting stuff with it, I think. And, um, uh, it's, uh, it's just kind of cool to see that, like, the way someone's process to get to from one part to you know to the other is is pretty pretty neat it's cool with the roles too um how you know like it doesn't have a lot of things that plum butter has sure but then there's like quadruples of thing of the things that plum butter only has two so having like four gongs versus two and four av dogs versus two i thought like i haven't used one personally but i, I always thought that was kind of cool like there's a lot of noise to be had there yeah for sure yeah i um uh so i i've i've built kind of like a slightly modified version of of um ming, ming cheese um uh uh, rolls five that he's like put on a PCB, um, and um, yeah, it uh, you can you can make a lot of really cool cool stuff with the like having four different gong pitches and stuff, and um, it's it's cool like when you're building it to you know try out and experiment with the different um, capacitor values for the rolls because you. Basically, instead of like on the plum butter where you have a knob to change the speed, um, you set the speed of a particular roll by 
giving it like a certain capacitor value for all of its nodes. And so you can make really slow ones or really fast ones. And it, uh, and you can, you kind of like create these interesting rhythms by connecting them together. And so even though you don't, you, you might only have one, you know, speed for a particular role, it kind of creates a, a rhythm just by all of these different things interacting with each other. So yeah, definitely a really cool instrument. I, uh, um, I was using it earlier today just to add a couple extra rolls on some plum, plum butter stuff. And, um, a lot of times I'll just like have some gongs, uh, like on it, you know, oscillating so I can have like a couple more pitches or something to do something with, but yeah. Yeah, totally. So did you design Mutable's in or Mutable's website back in the day? Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, uh, that was kind of, so I guess to back up a little bit, um, I, uh, I got started with the Eurorack, um, system, I guess it was about four years ago, um, at the first, um, Moogfest that was, that was in the town over, um, I, uh, I, uh, uh, they had like a kind of modular marketplace thing set up where you could try stuff out. And I uh, really gravitated towards um, Elements, which uh, it's like this modal synthesizer module um, of, of mutables. Um, and so I started a little system with just that and then Peaks, which is kind of similar to their, um, their module Stages um, that's currently being made, um, like a, an earlier version. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's kind of my intro into mutable stuff. And then, um, one day on Facebook, Emily, like posted that she was looking for someone to, um, uh, do, uh, front end development for her website. And that's what I do professionally. So, um, you know, I, I emailed and I was like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I, I could give you a quote, you know, if you, um, like, uh, send me some mock-ups and um and uh so yeah i i did that and then i started working on it and um yeah it was that was a really fun project um kind of a funny story um uh it uh so uh one of the diy uh i see at lombard uh paper circuits that i was messing with was the jurassic organ and I, um, for some reason, posted on the Mutable Instruments forum about it. And um, uh, Emily, like, kind of gave me a suggestion of how I could tweak the circuit to, like, make it, like, make the pitch CV controlled. And so um, uh, whenever I finish this Jurassic Organ project, it will have some Mutable DNA in it, I think. Um, from from that from that help uh, that she gave, but yeah, I I guess like um, I I um you know I I I met her and and Hannes who I who I keep up with. He's the designer for mutable instruments and a number of other Eurorack module or um, modules. Um, and um, uh, he was like the designer for the website. So um, yeah, I uh, you know I've kept in touch with them over the years and. Um, I, uh, 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 Emily has very kindly, you know, given me a couple modules and let me beta test some things. And, um, and so, yeah, I had, um, beads for about a month, uh, before it was announced and just sort of got plum butter around the same time. And so, um, a lot of my recent music has, has been, you know, just exploring those two instruments or, you know, beads with with plum butter and kind of mixing in other random uh mutable things right now my case is um like uh i have like a 6u or 7u 84 hp case all the 3u stuff is 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 mutable instrument stuff and i i feel like they are really nice companions um because they both i feel like are are very deep but they kind of offer different sounds like uh like a lot of the um, uh, a lot of the mutable stuff, you can get um, like uh, like Platts, for example, has like a lot of the standard oscillator sounds, like different modes 
to kind of get you access to that th that stuff um and you know like rings and elements have these nice kind of digital string kind of sounds that are, that are very pleasant to me and um and then there's kind of like this you know like raw electricity sound coming from the plum butter and i think kind of all mixed together it it, it works really well together kind of that contrast yeah no that all sounds great and i mean i've i've heard firsthand that it does indeed sound great too <laughs> so <laughs> before we get into talking about your new album i just wanted to talk about your your older work uh for a second if that's okay mm -hmm. so i i don't know how i haven't ended up on your band camp before but i did today finally and uh I got to listening to your ARPS album, which I loved. One of the things I wanted to ask about, there was a technique, and I think I heard it on a couple sounds. Um, am I, I'm safe to assume you played some guitar on that record, right? Um, I don't remember. I don't, I don't think I did. I think it's all, I used a lot of guitar pedals. Uh, okay. Where I was going with it, sorry to cut you off, is m maybe it was synthy parts or whatever, but there was certain melody lines on a few tracks where it seemed like you were side-chaining the arpeggios to that. Was that something that you did, or was I just hearing things? Um, hmm, it's, it's been a couple years since I made that. Um, I, like, a lot of those tracks, I ran them through. I had the ZFX Lo-Fi Junkie pedal, uh, which um, is like the most noisy, just like, like it, 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 um, lives up to its name, I would say. And, um, <laughs> it has like a very interesting compressor on it. And so like w what you might be hearing, I think is like, as I was processing the sounds, like some of the, the character from that, um, it, uh, it was just that and just causing stuff to pump, I guess. Yeah, that and um, I, I had what's that pedal called? Um, I think the more recent one they have is called Microcosm. It's like holograph. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking? Hologram. Holo yeah, hologram electronic. What was the one I had? Uh, the dream sequence or the uh. It wasn't that. Uh, what's their other one? Uh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Anyways, it was the first kind of pitchy envelope granularish thing yeah, they yeah. did, right? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Um, I'll find out what it is. It's um, the Infinite Jets. Yeah, yeah, Infinite Jets. That's right. And um, yeah, it like has basically it has this mode where you um you set the sensitivity and then it it kind of like based on what you're playing kind of switches between the um uh i i guess the the two voices it has um and so um i think a lot of there's a lot of strange things happening with that one kind of with those like with that like sensitivity of the of the two voices kind of going back and forth like it kind of creates this choppiness um that um yeah another weird thing so um uh it uh I, I i had recently gotten the analog heat like the make one um and um i was trying to record the second track through like overbridge and this was before they they came out with Overbridge 2, which was supposed to fix all the problems. This is like the shitty Overbridge one. <laughs> and so there's like a ton of like just these digital artifacts and like lost samples and stuff from from using like like Overbridge to <laughs> to, to record it. And so it's like it's lo-fi in a way that it was uh, I I kind of I kind of leaned into and like I was like. Uh, I don't know, created kind of some weird textures that I think uh, worked for that track. I don't know. It's kind of funny. <laughs> oh. Well, I, this kind of ties into what I was going for. So, like, basically, the reason I brought it up is because 
whether or not it was intentional or however it happened, it sounded great. I thought it was a really cool vibe, a really cool production technique, if you will. And then uh, I was reading another interview that you did, and you were saying how, uh, I think on the next album, Drones, that you wanted to do something a little bit less Mm lo-fi. And listening to the Arps album... I wasn't hearing lo-fi, like, yeah, there was a little bit of noise and a little bit of, you know, like, uh, distortion and things like that, but, like, when I think lo-fi, I tend to think that things intentionally sound a little shitty, Uh (laughs) but your album and, like, everything I've listened to that I've heard from you, like, the production, the mixing, the mastering sounds massive and great. So I thought it was funny that you're like, I kind of want to get away from this lo-fi thing because I'm <laughs> listening to it. I, I played it in my truck, which has a decent stereo, and I was blasting it, and I'm like, like it's lo-fi more in like a Cortini way, I think, right? Where like uh-huh. you intentionally abuse things and like you have that textural element, but it's not lo-fi in the sense of like, like it's just sometimes when I think lo-fi, I think like puny. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. But your music sounds anything <laughs> but that. It sounds huge. And, and yeah, like I said, if anyone doesn't know your music, I think they should definitely hop over to Arps and start there because there's some great melodies and some really cool production work going on. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think... So I look at that record as as kind of my exploration of synth stuff like like i i was that i that was like the the first time i like uh really was trying to you know make music or whatever i guess like with with the synthesizer and so there's a lot of like figuring it out on it and um i think with the second one drones what i was trying to do was like add in like a lot of low lows and add in you know like have more than just one thing going on have like a few things going on like kind of in harmony with each other and um and yeah i think something i've realized recently is like i i get competitive with myself and i'm like oh this next thing i make has to be better than the last thing i made and i like i just i don't know i had a uh I think I, um, it was something that, uh, that Boris Jogginghouse, like, wrote on, like, one of his little Patreon, uh, posts that he does, where it's, like... His Patreon's so good. Yeah. He was, like, talking about how, you know, like, if you, if you just keep trying to, like, like, chase that feeling of doing, outdoing yourself, it's, like, it'll work for a little bit, and then it'll just, like, fizzle out, and I, um... Uh, or be really hard and I I've kind of felt that recently and I've realized like I I kind of know you know what I want to make and what I want to do and so I need to stop like worrying about is this thing better than the last thing that I made and just like make things because I enjoy it and not like try to I don't know qualify it in those terms so um well that's great advice yeah I hope uh I don't know. I yeah. I I guess if if there's one piece of advice like uh, uh, that I could give people listening to this that are making music, want to make music, um, it's like don't be hard on yourself. Just keep making music. Like there's no there's no point in like you know I don't know trying to turn it into some sort of competition um, to you know like. Uh, like do do crazy things because usually like the things that are like more flashy or whatever like at least for me I don't even like listening to that stuff <laughs> like I think, so it's like um yeah I, I I don't know I think it uh it yeah I think a perfect example of that is like you see it happen with bands all the time where like their first album was raw and on a lower budget and that's their best work. And then mm-hmm. as they, you know, technically get better with higher production and more gear and more tracks and better players and whatever, like the music doesn't necessarily get better. Mm-hmm, for sure. and, and that's not 
always the case, but I think it's a common thing that, you know, people see happen in music a lot. And, and the way I try and, and discipline myself when it comes to that, it's like, it's more like a vibe. Like, so if I made an album that was a big epic thing, my next album might be solo songs for Sidrax. Mm -hmm. And that's fine because obviously this solo improv thing is not going to touch this highly produced epic album. But I think that's what's cool and about your advice and about our community is that like there's room for both as an artist, mm -hmm. you know? For sure. And um, yeah, I, I guess uh, I've been thinking about that a lot because I've been, uh, I had just, I'm, I'm finishing up a record right now. Um, and uh, well, I don't know if it's a full record. It's like six songs. I guess it's an EP or whatever. But It's a record. <laughs> um, I like... I I spent a lot of time trying to figure... So I, I created one track, and I'm like, I like this. I want this to to be out there, right? And um, I, and then trying to look through my, my archive of other stuff I've recorded to try to find things that were, like, like fit, the, fit the mold, I guess. Um, and typically, like, when I do that, I'm looking for, like, maybe, like... Uh, are they all chill or are, are they all like kind of energetic or do they all kind of sound like a robot made them or do they sound like a person played them or stuff like that. But I think with this one, I like more, I realized like the, the thing I was trying to capture was like the feeling of being in winter, being in the snow. And I, I like wanted to do different perspectives of that. So like, the record has like some kind of harsh almost harsh like staticky drone on it and like then has some kind of sweet more ambient stuff and like it has this one like just like straight mono like guitar i recorded um one um one evening and like it's just kind of all over the place but i to me it's like all things that kind of make me feel like i'm in the snow or I was trying to say something about it, and so that's kind of how I, like, arranged this one, I guess. I don't know. It was, it was, it's, I don't know how successful it is. Like, I always kind of worry a little bit with, like, getting into my more, like, experimental noisy interests, because I, I think that some people, like, don't like that, and so, like, I don't want people to be like, oh, I have to turn this off now. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's it's what I was trying to. I'm trying something new with it. So I guess. We'll oh, see how that's it goes. why you <laughs> you still trickle in the few like pretty tracks, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Just um, to like still give them a reason if they're put off by the uh, yeah the more experimental stuff. Yeah. It's um I don't know. It's uh it's um it's it's fun. I think another thing I've been interested in recently is like. I'm not good at like sound design, like trying to make something like sound like like realistic or whatever. But there was a lot of stuff in this album that made me feel like it was kind of a representation of a sound. Like there's a couple things I did with like the dust input on Plum Butter that like created um, uh, like what sounds to me like footsteps like there's kind of like a crunchy noise element and so like to me that's like you're walking through the snow and you're kind of like crunching it or whatever and um yeah, yeah. it wasn't on this record but there was like a a track i recently did where i was like making some like kind of these warbly synth sounds with like kind of pitch lfo stuff going on and um it like sounded like a little bit like birds to me so i i guess i'm what i'm trying to get at is i'm interested right now i think in like creating these representations of of things even if it's not quite exactly what it sounds like in real life kind of like my rendering of it or whatever 